Hello and welcome back once again. You're listening to Bell to Bell, the pro wrestling podcast where I break down everything that happened in the past week at WWE from Raw on Monday night through to Wednesday night with NXT. I'm of course Gareth, you're you. Let's get straight into it with Raw. Uh, quite a good Raw this week. Uh, weirdly a lot of the talent was out. Miz was away shooting Marine 6. That's also why Becky Lynch was taken out on SmackDown. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, Sheamus was on holiday, I think they said just, and Dean Ambrose was way on his honeymoon, I think is what they said. Uh, so fewer matches, but that meant longer matches, which was good. It's always good to have better quality matches on Raw. Uh, we start with Roman Reigns, who sort of just recaps everything that's happened in the past week. He says that he's going to be a fighting champion, he issues an open challenge. Uh, the Miz's music hits, but it's just uh, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. They come out and say they have found somebody to get revenge on the Miz's behalf, and it's Elias. Elias makes a challenge. Roman accepts. As Roman's making his way up the ramp, Seth Rollins comes out. The burn it down is gone. The fucking god awful screaming burn it down is gone from the start of his entrance music. We're just back to just the instrumental, which is great. Uh, he is out to face. Cesaro, because as mentioned, uh, Dean Ambrose is on his honeymoon and Sheamus is on holiday. Uh, really good match this, as you'd expect. Uh, went for at least three or four ad breaks. Uh, excellent match with Rollins ultimately picking up the win with the knee. After that we see uh, the 205 Live, the sort of faces, the ones that have been primarily facing off against the Zotrian, Cedric Alexander, Rich Swan, Mustafa Ali and... I have forgotten who the fourth guy is. It's not Kalisto. It is. Oh, this is embarrassing. Who is the fourth? Rich Swan, Cedric Alexander, Mustafa Ali, and. It's not Grand Metal League. Or is it? No, it's not. Or is it? No. I can't for the life of me remember who the fourth person is. Akira Zazawa. It was Akira Zazawa. I had to look down through my notes because I remembered that whoever the other person was was in the match that we'll find out about now. Uh, so they're sort of complaining about the Zoe train running rough shot over Raw and that they also all want a title opportunity. Uh, so Kurt makes the announcement that there'll be two Fatal 4-Way matches, one tonight and one next week. And then uh, the week after that, the two winners of those Fatal 4-Way matches will face each other with that person becoming the new number one contender. That match is happening later on. Up next we have Samoa Joe versus Titus O'Neil. Another sort of one of the shorter matches but still sort of longer than you'd expect it to go with Joe winning with the Kikina Clutch and then afterwards getting in Apollo Crews' face before ultimately choking him out as well. Uh, up next we have it's supposed to be the sort of debut for Paige's group Absolution. Uh, so first Sasha Banks comes out. She's supposed to be teaming up with Mickey James and Bailey. So Sasha comes out, she's standing in the ring, Mickey James's music hits, she doesn't appear. Bailey's music hits, she also doesn't appear. We then see backstage that uh, Mickey James and Bailey have both been laid out by Paige, Mandy Rose, and Sonya Deville, who are now gathered under the name of Absolution. So the match is now a three on one handicap match. Alexa Bliss was out for commentary, but sort of some point during all the commotion, she quietly walked away for whatever reason uh, before the match gets started though uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville sort of pledge allegiance to Paige she's the one who started the women's evolution 
and that Sasha's offered a chance to do the same. She refuses and is then attacked. So I guess the match didn't actually start. I don't know, I should probably take better notes is what I'm getting from this. Uh, so after that we get a Bray Wyatt promo before his match. He just vague stuff about having never celebrated the holidays. He starts telling everyone that they're all dead and he just repeats that for a while. And then out comes his opponent, it's Matt Hardy. Another decent lengthy match with Bray Wyatt going to win with Sister Abigail. But the real takeaway here is what happened after. Uh, Matt Hardy sort of clearly dejected I think is the word I'm looking for. Upset, he's been on a bit of a losing streak since uh, Jeff got injured sort of slumped up in the corner and he starts the delete, 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 delete. It would appear Matt has finally, or is at least in the early stages of being broken. A uh, bit of the behind the scenes on this, apparently WWE is not going to go all in with the broken character as it was in Impact Wrestling. It's going to be something very similar, but also technically new. Although were they to just go straight ahead with the broken character, apparently that is now fine. I think it was Sports Illustrated that had an interview with Ed Nordholm, the main Impact guy, and he said basically that uh, Impact are readjusting their contracts, I think is what he said, to allow Impact talent to use their Impact characters after they leave Impact, and that would apply to current and former talent, so basically Matt Hardy would be in the clear to be broken if WWE chose to go in that direction. But from what I've heard, and it's out there, like I'm not getting this from sources directly to me or anything like that, uh, it seems that they're going to sort of slightly adjust it. It'll not be broken Matt. Uh, I think on Twitter he's spoken Matt Hardy, so they might go back to that that they sort of teased a while back before Jeff got hurt. But remains to be seen, but it looks like we're finally getting at least an approximation of the broken Matt Hardy we have wanted since he showed up in the way. I think sort of drawing it out this way and actually having a story into it and a lead into him becoming broken or woken, whatever they go with makes more sense than having him just show up on day one doing the broken stuff completely because one like maybe a third of the audience at most would know who broken Matt is it's sort of got over now because he's been doing the deletes and stuff to the WWE audience but if he just started straight off the bat as fully broken Matt Hardy I think it might have put a lot of people off I think it was good to give the Hardys that nostalgia run, but this seems to be the, maybe this, the start of them progressing the characters, which you need to do. We saw that with the Dudleys. They came back as a nostalgia act and never really progressed past that, and they just sort of fizzled out by the end of their last WWE run. So hopefully this is a breath of fresh air, something new for the Hardys to keep them a bit fresher and relevant. After that we see Jason Jordan Kurt Angle backstage and Jordan basically he wants an opportunity, he wants to prove himself and Kurt gives him a match with Kane, that's later on tonight. So up next we have the first of the two Fatal 4-Way number one contender Cruiserweight Championship Fatal 4-Ways, this one pitting Noah Andar and Ari Davari against Kirtozawa versus Rich Swan. Uh, really good, excellent match this as you would expect and ultimately Rich Swan picks up the win with the Phoenix Splash. After that we have Elias out, he dedicates a song to The Miz, I forget what that song was like but I believe it was quite good. He then starts a second song which is just an instrumental but he's joined by The Miz Taraj, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel as they take turns playing harmonica. I couldn't tell if they were actually playing a harmonica or if they were just sort of miming and then it was being piped in but either way it was a really cool fun segment. Uh, that gets interrupted by Roman Reigns. He comes out and it's the IC title match. And what a match it was. This was a real sort of 
showcase for Elias. We've never really seen him in a lengthy quality match. And yeah, he absolutely delivered here and Reigns is really good in the ring, regardless of what people think of him as an overall performer and character. And yeah, it was an excellent match. Roman Reigns obviously picked up the win ultimately with the spear. As he's leaving, he gets choked out by Samoa Joe. So I'm assuming Samoa Joe will probably be Roman Reigns' next major challenger. I don't know if there's a Raw pay-per-view before the Rumble, but we'll probably see Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. Maybe Joe picks the belt up there with Reigns then free to win the Rumble. We'll have to see. After that, we get Asuka versus Dana Brooke. This match literally lasted like five seconds, or however long it took for Asuka to lock in an armbar. It was great. Uh, after the match, Absolution come out, they surround the ring, but they don't get into the ring and they just sort of let Asuka leave. I don't know if the idea was that similar to how they sort of half tried to recruit Sasha Banks earlier, if this was them sort of showing interest in Asuka as a potential fourth member, or if it was to try and sort of protect Asuka and keep her mystique and maybe sort of play the idea that Absolution, even though they had the numbers advantage, they still knew that there was a good chance that Asuka would hand them their asses. I don't know exactly what they were trying to do here, but it created a sort of cool stare down moment either way, and I would say at some point we will get Paige versus Asuka, and that will be spectacular. So after that we have Jason Jordan versus Kane. Uh, Jason Jordan does a promo before saying that he his knee is 100% and he is going to shut down the big red machine. So of course almost immediately Kane throws Jason Jordan out of the ring and he re-injures his leg. Kane wins by count out. He then continues to attack Jason Jordan. Finn Balor comes out to make the save. We then cut to an ad break and after the break it is now Kane versus Finn Balor. Uh, decent enough match. Uh, Kane gets himself disqualified. He hits Finn with a chair and then continues to attack him with the chair. He places the chair around Finn's throat and climbs up the second rope, but before he can do anything, Braun Strowman appears, he attacks Kane, hits him with the ring steps, power slams him onto the sort of second bigger base bit of the steps in the middle of the ring, and ultimately, as Kane did to him last week, Braun Strowman rams a chair into Kane's throat and does it again. Kane sort of flees through the crowd because he had some sort of meet and greet outside the arena after in his role as mayoral candidate. So that was Raw. As I said, there wasn't quite as much going on this week. There was more sort of space given to what was there. It wasn't as jam-packed as Raw usually is, but it was still a decent show overall. I'll uh, move on now, of course, to SmackDown Live, which opened as it so often does with Shane McMahon. He runs down Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn again, says they don't bleed blue, they have no respect, and that he thought that Daniel Bryan would fire them after, after the new match with the New Day that Kevin and Sammy had last week but he didn't so he asked for Danny Bryan to come out Bryan comes out uh, Danny Bryan says that he believes in second chances and Shane sort of retorts by rolling free everything that Sammy and Kevin have done to him Bryan says that they were just sort of they did that in the spirit of grabbing the brass ring and that they are two of the best talents they have and that all that they would all that would be achieved by firing them would be that they end up on Monday Night Raw Initially, Shane seems to find that. He sort of does the wee mimes the yes sort of pose. Uh, Brian says that he's not a yes man. If you haven't, if you wanted a general manager who would just say yes to everything you wanted, I'm not the guy for that. And that sometimes Shane needs to trust him. Uh, Shane sort of comes around and he applauds Brian for making the Orton, the Owens versus Orton match for later on tonight. And he adds to that by banning Sami Zayn from ringside, but also makes it a no disqualification match. So we all know where that's going. 
After that, we see uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn backstage. They find Daniel Bryan. They're not happy about Shane's additional stipulations. They ask Bryan to at least undo Sami's ban from ringside. Bryan says, hell no. After that, we have The New Day, Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston specifically versus Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin. Uh, the Usos are out in commentary for this match and The New Day give them pancakes. They just had pancakes. Don't know why. Don't think there was any real theming or reason to it. The New Day just had pancakes and they gave them to the Usos. Uh, really good match this. New Day ultimately picking up the win here. Good. After that we see Naomi and Charlotte backstage. Uh, they're getting ready to take on Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan. Uh, Natalia comes in and says that Charlotte should thank them for attacking the, them during the title match last week because it meant Charlotte got to keep her title for one more week. But for now, Natalia's going to set her and Charlotte's differences aside for one night so they can take care of Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan and Ruby Riot, who now has an extra T at the end of her name for reasons. After that, we have the Bludgeon Bros versus the Hype Bros, round two. Uh, Bludgeon Bros win probably, I think, quicker than they did the first match, again with the sort of double powerbomb type move to Zack Ryder. After the match, Ryder's interviewed in the ring, starts to say something about how the tag team landscape has changed, but before he can make whatever point he was trying to make, he is laid out by Mojo Rawley. After the break, Mojo's caught up with by the interview lady and she asks Mojo to explain what happened. He says that, as Zack Ryder said, the landscape has changed. So Mojo has overhyped to the point of pure evil, it seems. Uh, obviously, they've been teasing the split of the hype bros for some time now. I think everyone, myself included, assumed that it would be Zack Ryder turning heel. That was kind of the seeds they were planting. They've obviously went the other way. And it'll be interesting to see what Mojo can do as a heel. No, he's never been heel. Like he was an unpopular babyface at first in NXT, like nobody liked him, but he was still a face. So no, that's be interesting to see how that goes. After that, we have an interview with Bobby Roode. He talks about Baron Corbin, says he's scared of losing his title. Uh, Corbin appears and says he's not scared. Roode challenges him to prove it by accepting Roode's challenge for a title match tonight. Baron Corbin sort of shrugs him off, laughs him off, and says no, and walks away, as you would expect. After that, we have the Singh Brothers versus AJ Styles, as was announced last week. Uh, before the match gets started, Jinder Mahal sort of jumps and attacks AJ Styles. Uh, we can't do a break, whenever the break comes back, AJ's in the ring, he's sort of propping himself up against the corner, but he gives the ref the okay, and the match begins. Ultimately, AJ picks up the win here by hitting a second rope Styles clash to one of the Sings, landing on top of the other Sing for the pin. AJ sort of quickly rolls out of the ring and gets away before Jinder can come in. Jinder comes into the ring and lays out both of the Sing brothers with collapses. After that we have the Ruby, Riot, Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan team, or no we have an interview with them first, uh, where we find out that they are now called the Riot Squad, again two T's. Uh, last week they sent a message, they are not here to make friends or audition for Total Divas, Divas and they are going to turn the women's division upside down. That leads into the match versus Naomi, Natalia, and Charlotte. Uh, very early in the match Natalia walks out leaving it just Naomi and Charlotte. While Ruby Riot's dealing with Charlotte in the ring. Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan take out Naomi. They sort of throw her into the ring steps. They prop the ring steps sort of up on top of Naomi, sort of landing them on the barricade, and then sort of slingshot her into them, taking her out of the match. Uh, ultimately, Ruby Riot picks up the win, hitting Charlotte with the pillow kick for the pin. And after the match, we see that Naomi has been stretchered out. I believe she might actually be injured. And this is sort of them writing her out. I'm not 100% certain. After that, we see backstage the interview lady. I forget which who the interviewer for SmackDown is right now. 
the name escapes me. Uh, she's outside Randy Orton's locker room trying to get an interview with him. Orton just sort of ignores her and walks right past her. After that we have the Fashion Files and this week it was Saw. It was Fashion Files Sawed. Uh, we open with uh, Brizango and the Ascension. Ascension. They're all trapped in this little room. They're handcuffed to the wall. A masked figure appears on the TV screen and tells them that to escape the room they have to destroy the thing they love. They all start looking around. They notice in the middle of the room there's a bag. In the bag are the remains of Tully the horse. So they decipher that they have to pull apart Tully to find the key basically. Uh, Rizango, they find the key but unfortunately there's only enough time for themselves to escape leaving the Ascension still handcuffed and succumbing to the poison gas. We can only assume that the Ascension have perished. We will probably never see them again. And that was weird. But yeah. It was one of the less joke filled episodes about of the fashion files. I feel like there was a joke in the middle about beating a dead horse as you would expect. But still fun and just good to have TV time for Breezango and the Ascension. That leads us into our main event which was Kevin Owens versus Randy Orton. Uh, Orton's hair is really weird now because it's still shaved at the sides but it's starting to grow long at the top and it just looks bizarre. Uh, so the match eventually it makes its way up to the ramp and to the surprise of absolutely no one except for the commentary team, Sami Zayn appears and attacks Orton with a chair. I feel like it was Corey Graves helpfully pointing out that he hadn't quite made it to ringside so was not in violation of the rules. Although it was a no disqualification match so would Sami have, would that have thrown the match out had he made it to ringside? I don't know. Anyway he attacks Orton with a chair. That gives Owens enough of a upper hand to ultimately pick up the win and close out the show. We move on now to 205 Live which was celebrating its one year anniversary. And I didn't even realise it had been a year. It's been good I suppose. It's not been a spectacular show all the time but from from Neville winning the Cruiserweight Championship on it's been really good from that point and Drew Gulak becoming the sort of politician version of Drew Gulak it's been great because Drew Gulak is spectacular we'll get to him in a bit uh, we open with Enzo Amore and Noam Dar Enzo's mic wasn't working for his entrance which was just brilliant it's the best promo Enzo's ever cut uh, unfortunately whenever we come back from the break Enzo's in the ring and his mic is now working he says some stuff about Mario Kart and Noam Dar slipping on banana peels and says that Dar needs to redeem himself and this is his chance he has a match with Rich Swan now uh, during the match, Nigel McGuinness had the absolute line of the week. Enzo's sort of running his mouth at ringside, saying that Enzo needs to save his breath because he will need it to blow up his girlfriend later on tonight. I laughed. Unfortunately, Noam Dar wasn't able to redeem himself, and Rich Swan picked up the win with the Phoenix Splash. After that, we got a Kalisto interview, and he basically just said he was going to fight his way back to the Cruiserweight title. And that, that was going to begin tonight against Jack Gallagher. That match started immediately. A uh, really good match, good back and forth. Ultimately, Kalisto hits the Salida del Sol, but before he can get the pin, Brian Kendrick comes in and attacks him. He then sort of holds Kalisto up and uses Kendrick's own jacket as like a straight jacket, puts it on sort of backwards basically over Kalisto, leaving him open to a big headbutt from Jack Gallagher. After that, we have uh, Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan backstage. They're talking about who's going to be the number one contender. Uh, Cedric Alexander sort of presuming he was going to win his field four-way to on the face Rich Swan. Um, Staff Ali was in the background, he takes exception to this, but they both decide to put their differences aside because tonight they have a tag team match against Drew Gulak and Tony Nice, who are the other part of that fatal four way next week on Raw. 
Which brings us to the main event of 205 Live, which was Tony Nese and Drew Gulak versus Mustafa Ali and Cedric Alexander. Uh, before the match, we got a Drew Gulak promo. It was great. He says that they are team PowerPoint, because Nice has all the power, and Drew Gulak makes salient points. He says that the Zo train is like the Justice League, Tony Nese is Aquaman, to Drew Gulak's Batman, and Enzo is their Superman. Um, for just, just because Drew Gulak has prepared a special edition of his PowerPoint presentation, but he is unfortunately rudely interrupted by Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali, and the match begins. A uh, really good match this, this was actually spectacular, this was like a good 20 minutes I think, the last 20 minutes of the show. Uh, ultimately Tony Nese picked up the win by rolling up Mustafa Ali to pick up the win. Uh, during the match there was a lot of miscommunication between Cedric Alexander and Ali. There was like an occasion where both went for a tag but the other partner was distracted either by Drew Gulag or Tony Nese. And towards the end uh, Ali, no, Cedric accidentally, no. Ali accidentally knocked Cedric off the apron, which was what allowed Tony Nice to pick up the win with the roll-up. Uh, just sort of, I guess, teasing descent before the field four-way match next week on Raw. Finally, we have NXT, which was not from Full Sail University, but rather the Aztec Theatre in San Antonio. And much like Raw, it wasn't as packed as NXT sometimes is, but uh, what we got instead were three really good matches and, and some interviews. Uh, so we start out with the Street Profits versus uh, Reddit Moss and Tino Sabatelli. We'd seen this match, I think, not on last week's one, which was the matches taped before TakeOver, but I think the last proper NXT we had, the, the Moss and Sabatelli versus Street Profits match, I think. Uh, I think this was a better match. It had a bit more time to it. Uh, ultimately, of course, the Street Profits picked up the win with that uh, Spinebuster Frog Splash combination that they do. After that we had interviews with uh, both uh, Mustache Mountain, who basically just, uh, they're facing Mark Andrews and Pete Dunne in the main event, uh, basically just touting the fact that they are a real team as opposed to Mark Andrews and Pete Dunne. We then have an interview with Mark Andrews and he says he's only teaming up with uh, Pete Dunne on the condition that should they win he will get a title shot against Dunne. After that we have our second match, Kyrie Sane versus Peyton Royce. This was a really good match actually, I was really surprised by how good this match was. Uh, Peyton Royce looked really good here, but ultimately fell victim to Kyrie Sane's insane elbow. Kyrie Sane picking up the win. Which brings us to our main event, and holy good god what a main event it was. It was spectacular. It was the team of Mustache Mountain, which I don't think they are officially called in WWE, but they referenced it heavily in their promo and have the little moustaches on their trunks. Uh, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven versus Pete Dunne and Mark Andrews. Ultimately Tyler Bate puts Pete Dunne away with the Tyler Driver 97 for the win. After the match, uh, Mark Andrews sort of tries to show a bit of respect, goes to handshake Pete Dunne and eats a better end for his troubles to close out NXT and this week's WWE. As I said, a uh, bit of a different feel to this week. It was more match orientated just because it feels like a lot of the guys were out either on holiday, celebrating their honeymoon or just injured or filming a movie. So everything got a bit more time to breathe, a bit lengthier matches, it's more of a wrestling focused week. And it was nice, nice for a change. So uh, that's what I thought. Uh, if you thought differently or if you agree, let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Bell to Bell Pod. There's also the Bell to Bell Pro Wrestling Facebook page. Uh, you can also leave a comment on YouTube if that's where you are. And if you're there, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And you can also find me on SoundCloud. And you can just like and share from there. There isn't a comment feature as far as I know. Uh, that'll do it for this week. Once again, thanks for listening. And I'll catch you all next week.